Well, welcome everyone to Moms for America, where liberty begins at home. Gloria from Arkansas, one of our wonderful mothers. Gloria's even a grandmother, but she has children at home still. Thank you for that prayer. I love the word excitement. This is going to be an exciting lesson, I hope. It's really, I do believe, lesson number four is perhaps the most important seminar that we will go through in this Healing of America seminar. We've gone through four seminars and we're on the last one. Let's see that first slide, Tressie. Uh, Tressie and uh, Hannah are, are with us and they're behind the scenes handling uh, the chats and, and the slideshows and so forth. Thank you so much, Hannah from Texas. Uh, oh, is that right, Hannah? I think Hannah and Tressie are both from Texas. Oregon. 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 Oh, that's right. That's right. Hannah is our is one of our newest uh, members of the Monster America team from Oregon. We're all over uh, uh, the, the map, so to speak. So today's lesson is entitled Restoring Individual Freedom and Family Values. Now that, that alone gets my attention. Now that's an optimistic, positive type of heading for today's lesson. Let's see the next slide, Tressie. Uh, I love teaching this seminar because it's the how of how God is going to heal our land. So he tells us, look, if we will wake from our slumbers and turn to him and humble ourselves and realize we, we can make some changes, we can improve, we can maybe, you know, uh, change some of our, our lazy ways, uh, our apathetic ways, and, and we start to be a little bit more heaven focused and being directed from God as how we should spend our time and energies and money. He will help us. He will aid us. He will heal our land. And I believe he'll not only heal our land, he'll heal some things within us that we just keep stumbling over. He'll heal relationships, our closest relationships that we might have some challenges with. He'll help improve our marriages. And, and, and it, it all starts, doesn't it, within the four walls of our home? Because how can we heal outside of our home when within needs some healing. And so let's see the next slide, Tressie. We've talked about uh, uh, the, um, the, <laughs> I was expecting a different slide, but this is good. So just yesterday, uh, I had a chance to speak um, before uh, about 20 fellows and some ladies at a uh, freedom, called Religious Freedom Institute. And these were uh, community leaders in the Muslim community, in the Jewish community, in the Christian community. There was an advisor to President Trump there. I mean, I spoke, um, uh, the person who spoke before me was a doctor. The person who spoke after me was a doctor. And I'm thinking, what is little old me doing here? But I want you to, I want you to know that what I spoke about is you women and, and what we are trying to do in the homes. And over the course of that a day, I had so many of these people, men particularly, that were presenting talk about ultimately some of the great men and leaders of, you know, of movements have equated who they are to their mothers. So even though I didn't have a PhD or a doctor behind my name, these men understood and respected the role of a mother. And so this is what we're gonna talk about today, mama, being the best woman, daughter, sister, mother that we can be, so we can be that stabilizing force, so we can be that beacon of light to the people that are most closest to us within the four walls of our home. And then we went, me and my husband, Al, because uh, Al was a part of this as well, went right to the Bible Museum, which was right around the corner. This is right downtown Washington, DC. And we were part of a gala, and this was at the end, so I just grabbed, there was about 20 young people that Al and I work with in our church that came to this gala at the Bible Museum for an organization called the Alabaster House. And this organization ministers and prays over the leaders of our nation, actually goes into congressional offices or justices offices or members within um, the administration. And now they're going to governors and the wives and the wives of all these leaders too and going to their offices and anointing them um, through prayer. They're called the Alabaster House. The Alabat, remember Mary who anointed uh, Christ uh, before he uh, would die, just right before he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and the sacredness and, and the strengthening power of being anointed. Uh, she anointed through oil, they anoint through prayer. And it was a beautiful experience to see that, look, 
these kind of little efforts, and I'm not saying you have to speak, you know, with religious leaders to, to do some good so God will intervene and heal your home. But what I'm saying is when opportunities present themselves that you might think you're too busy or you're too tired or you're not qualified, if you will rise up and do these things, this will justify the heavens to heal. This will strengthen your home. This will strengthen your marriage to you know, if you can get to the point where your husband and you can begin to do some of this work of strengthening, uh, you know, your home and your community and, and your schools together, it will particularly bless the lives of the children to see mother and father united. And we're going to talk about how we can, you know, get our husbands on board and, and do our part. Okay, let's see the next slide, Tressie, if we can. So, you know, I told, I told these uh, people at this conference yesterday, and they all know that the solution is first, you've got to educate yourself. So you have the confidence and the wherewithal and the trust in these uh, principles and these stories that God was with, you know, people early on in our history, God will be with us as we are about the healing. And so we've gone and I told them about, you know, the great faith stories that we learn in seminar number one that have been removed from the schools. Schools do not teach anything inspirational, godly anymore. And so we see this young generation being quite uninspired, you know, and thinking that America is the worst country in the world, not the best, not the most God-directed country because they're not being told the stories. So we learned, you have learned, and please go back this summer and reread God's Hand in Building of America and practice teaching uh, these stories to your children or talking about them with your loved ones or with your neighbors because every time you tell retell a story you get better mm. at it it becomes more a part of your heart and then we uh, seminar number two I, I want you to review seminar number two too because that's the constitution we broke down the leading features of the constitution and the things that have been harmful to the constitution that have weakened it and then of course we just finished good riddance with the attacks on the Charter of Freedom, the attacks on our country, uh, those uh, godless reformers and those organizations and master planners, all of these entities, people, had their rootings in Marxism. There's that uh, You've heard me talk about that book, The Naked Communist. That would be a great book to gather five or six women in your neighborhood and begin to study. We have a student manual, fill in the blank with The Naked Communist. I mean, so much of what you see is going wrong in our country today is rooted in these principles of Marxism. So you have to be able to know what it is, strip it down to its bare bones because they're trying to, you know, equate Marxism with love. You know, the, the flags, all the colorful flags we're seeing this month, pride, and then love. I mean, that, that uh, uh, division started clear those kind of divisions uh, social divisions started clear backs with with marxism those, these social and cultural revolutions and we're seeing it played out uh, especially uh, at this time and then today we're starting lesson four one the healing of america uh and uh, primarily the healing of ourselves of our marriages and our homes. So, you know, today, let's just go to full screen for a moment, Tressie. Today, we hear a lot about what's going on. I don't know if you're a newspaper reader. I, I read the newspaper. Oh, this last week, I have, I've talked to so many mamas that are seeing some of the fallout of the um, grooming and conditioning that children are getting in the school systems, in the universities, and on social media. So we're hearing a lot about what is wrong uh, and it's almost like people are experts on, on telling us, you know, PhDs and potholes kind of thing, but you don't hear a lot of solutions. You hear a lot of uh, blanks. A lot of people are, are making a lot of noise, but it's like they don't have the proper weapon or tool to really turn the country around or to know how to begin to heal it. You know, we think it's going to be legislation or executive orders or Supreme Court decisions, but so many of those means of, you know, righting wrongs are not steeped in the founder's wisdom. And so really what, you know, even legislation that sounds good is really a band-aid on the boilerplate because it's just a temporary fix. And so we have to look and ask ourselves, what are long-term solutions? Instead of just shotgunning, blah, 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 like whack-a-mole, all these issues that are popping up and we're especially concerned. I can see it, I hear it in mothers right now with just the heavy-handedness of the LGBTQ uh, um, 
narratives and the sexual orientation policies that are being pushed in school. Uh, I'll share with you in just a moment some of the stories that mamas have told me just, just within the, the last few days. And so, you, you know, all these issues that we're worried about, look, we're going to dilute our efforts if we try and, you know, get stressed <laughs> out or go to all, all the rallies and write all the letters and, and that kind of thing. And, and even if we get a handle on one issue, the enemies of freedom will create three new issues in the meantime, and they want to wear us out. So really the question is, what part of the constitution has been destroyed that is allowing all these problems to exist? What, what has been broken in the constitution to allow you know, uh, dishonest uh, elections or godless school curriculum or anti-God and family law? And so, you know, when you can really dial down and understand, you know, how to fix the problem at the root, uh, then we can begin to pick up momentum. Now, God has told us that the Constitution would be one of the tools to heal our land. And it will be people who understand what the Constitution is, how it got broken, and how to repair it. And they're the kind of will be the people of the boots on the ground. And certainly that is what you would instill on your children. Maybe it will be your children and your grandchildren that will someday serve in positions because of what you have instilled in them. Maybe you won't walk the halls of Congress and do some of the healing that we'll talk about in the next few weeks, but we have to still learn this so we can, we can be a part of the conversations of, of healing. So today we're gonna to talk about healing individuals, healing homes. Let's see the next slide. At this conference that I was at yesterday, um, at the end, towards the end, a little uh, mother came and presented. She had that morning been at a rally in Montgomery County, Maryland. Montgomery County, Maryland is, is the largest school district in Maryland. It's a very affluent, it's one of the highest scoring um, uh, counties in the nation. And uh, there was a rally there to try and get rid of these books. All these books are in the school libraries in the county. This is the county that my, I live in. Some of my children have gone to school here. And she went through uh, some of these books, that little uh, child's book. This book is, the book is, the, the, oh, the gay ABCs. And T is for transgender. And B is for binary. And I is for intersex. And I mean, it's just, I just, our little hearts were just like, ugh. And she said at the rally that day, a little six-year-old boy was given the, the, the mic and he has two uh, fathers are his parents. And he said that he was the little six-year-old. This is what she said as she presented to us. The little six-year-old said that he was pansexual. And she said, a little six-year-old should be wanting to be outside riding his bike or playing with dinosaurs, not talking about his sexuality. So these are young children. We can just feel it in our bones, particularly this month. They're going after this rising generation. So it's interesting to me in the start of this lesson today that Cleon Skousen, who has written these Healing of America seminars and also the 5,000-year leap. Let's see that next slide, Tressie. He said, I am not pessimistic about the future of the soul of America, it is going to be cleansed by events which will humble the whole nation and put us on our knees. And I believe, I feel like we're feeling humbled right now. But when you're on your knees, that's when you can talk to God and recommit yourselves to lives of virtue and morality. And then he talks about Second Chronicle, how he's a great believer in that. And then he says, look, we don't need to be pessimists. This is all in the beginning of our lesson today. Just realist. Every family needs to do whatever it can to put its house in order. A home can become a refuge against the coming storm. The love developed between parents and among children and grandparents and for God is will be the supreme formula for which this kind of social security in the home will, will take its roots. Whenever I find families struggling to build these bonds of trust and love, I know that they're trying to pay the dividends for a kind of an insurance that will hold them together through the pressures and trials that may reach their peak one of these days. And then he said, um, let's see the next slide, Tressie. Uh, many people have said, you know, Dr. Skousen, you've studied a lot of the problems of this country. How do you stay so optimistic? 
And he said, well, it's really rather simple. I've read the book and in the end we win. And we know this <laughs> women, beautiful mother, that God prevails in the end. And so we are going to prevail. So, you know, when you find yourself just feeling so discouraged about some of the things that you're hearing, uh, I just had to tell you, I was at a wedding. Let's see, go to full screen for a moment, Tressie. I was a, at a wedding on Saturday and I hadn't seen a friend in probably 10 years. And so we were getting caught up and she was telling me about her youngest child who's 13 is transitioning right now. And she said she had no idea that he, I think it's a she and she's wanting to be known as a they, them now. And the only way she found out about this child was uh, the report card that she received had a different name. It had a, a male name on it. So she called the school and the school said that child had come in and said uh, that uh, she, he is transitioning. And she was just a, a little bit beside herself, but she's a godly woman. And so, you know, she's rallying those troops and she's gonna keep those children close. And then um, uh, let's see, I have two more and I won't share, share them with you, but two other mamas uh, this week talked to me about their children who are transitioning. So we're seeing a result of this very specific indoctrination and grooming going on with our children in the school systems taking root and they're experimenting and they're looking they're looking for love and acceptance in the wrong places and so we have to know you know we have to be prepared and even if it's not our children it's our children's friends or it's our grandchildren or it's our nieces and nephews and we're seeing a lot of sympathy right now uh, with pride month and so, you know, that, that makes us concerned, but we have to know as we stay uh, linked to the Lord and uh, we stay the course and we don't get doom and gloom, but we stay anchored in hope. We'll be able to walk through um, this time. We'll be able to walk our children and our grandchildren, even if they have to experiment. If you stay anchored, ultimately, they will come back to you. I've, I've seen this too many times in my life when children have gone off and experimented with various ideas and philosophies and found not the joy that was promised. Marxism, they promise all kind of utopia ideas and it's completely false, it's complete lies. There's no instance in any civilization where Marxism or communism has elevated uh, the lives of people. And same with this indoctrination going on in schools now is sexual identity. So today we're going to focus on healing uh, individual ideas for getting us right and our families right. Next week, we're going to talk about how we can heal the school systems, our community, the city level and the state. And the third week, we're going to talk about ideas of what it takes to heal this constitution. And then ultimately how we can heal our role as American citizens to people of the world. Look, this really is a time we're living in a time of res restoration and revival and restructuring and repairing. And so it's kind of like, we're gonna go back to that rock from whence we were hewn. And when Isaiah talks about these fundamentals that God has given us, we need to become brilliant in these basics. And so let's turn once again, uh, uh, Tressie, let's see that next slide. Restoring individual and freedom and family values. Let's see that next slide. So, so much of this lesson is taken from an address that was given by a man who was Secretary of Agriculture. Let's see that next slide. His name is Ezra Tap Benson under uh, President Eisenhower. He gave a talk entitled Righteousness Exalteth a Nation. It comes from Proverbs at a Freedom Festival. And, um, and you're gonna recognize some of these points that he gives because it's the points that we talk about all the time. Let's see the next slide. He begins this address and we, we're not gonna cover the whole address but the address is here and it's beautiful. He talks about our, our rootings with the pilgrims coming to America, the founding of the Plymouth colony in 1620 and how they understood that they were, uh, you know, they were not only coming for religious freedoms but also because they knew God wanted them to come and, and take his word to this new world, right? That, that they had a, a responsibility uh, to, to spread, spread the word of God. And they didn't probably even know how that was going to look, who was going to even be there. But uh, so they came and they, they made, even before they got off that Mayflower, they made that Mayflower compact, those 41 adult males as a source of authority that was gonna govern them once they arrived in the new world. 
And um, their reasons for this government, they asserted, was for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's really what inspired them to come, to advance the Christian faith, the cause of Christ. And so this is, this is the underpinnings uh, of this country. And we know those beautiful Mayflower mothers. They're my heroes. Oh, I hope you go to Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts someday. We know that three-fourths of those women died that first year that came over on the Mayflower because they literally gave their food, their lives, their bodies. They would lay on those children to keep them warm. They literally gave their lives securing this uh, country, this republic. And we're going to have to dig deep women and literally give some of our blood, tears, and sweat to be a part of uh, uh, maintaining what they gave us, refounding some of these ideas of the, our founding mothers to be the refounding mothers, so to speak. And then let's see the next slide. Uh, in the address, he talks about the Battle of Lexington that really in 1775 the shot heard around the world was, was really the beginning of the American Revolutionary War. And then the next slide. And then shortly thereafter, we declared our independence in that great Continental Congress, where these men um, talked about establishing a nation on our rights that were given from God. These uh, rights that were endowed, we're endowed by these inalienable rights. No country, this was a complete experiment, was ever going to be the principles laid forth on the fact that our rights came from God, all right? And so, you know, this is what the American Revolution was all about. It was not just separating from England, but it was separation from this historical tradition that had in the past made one man's, one, uh, one man another, let's see, that made one man another's chattel and denied all men liberty and property. Now we remember those beautiful documents, the, the uh, charter, um, the Magna Carta and the Bill of Rights and the Petition of Writs that were coming forth in England. And, and it was some of those inspired thoughts that our founders would use and inspired thoughts in uh, Deuteronomy and Genesis and Exodus that they put into this constitution that they were going to be governed by natural law, godly law, divine law, by the voice of the people. And so uh, let's see that next slide. John Adams at this time was there. George Washington was there. Uh, John Adams talks about my judge. He said, all that I have and all that I am and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready here to stake upon it. And I leave off as I begin that live or die, survive or perish, I am for declaration. It is my living sentiment and by the blessing of God, it shall be my dying sentiment, independence now and independence forever. And that was his war cry. And I, I kind of feel like we have to maybe repeat some of these beautiful um, expressions of the past and make them our war cry today. When things seem pretty dire. We have to remember that little ragtag army of only 3% of the 3 million that were living in the colonies in 1776. It only took about 3% for them to win that revolutionary war and to establish this nation. 3% of 3 million was about 90,000 uh, fighting on this, um, for the cause of freedom. Today, we have about 320 million people in our country do we have 9.6 million people, that's 3%, that would be willing to stand up and have some of the fervor and vision uh, that our founding fathers did? Let's see the next slide. This is what George Washington said at this time in 1776. The success which has hitherto attended our united efforts, and he was our great general for eight years during the Revolutionary War when we never should have won that war. He said, how, how, uh, how do we attribute the success we owe to the gracious interposition of heaven, the divine hand of providence? He, he, and, he, and remember how we've talked about how 66 times in his correspondence during the Revolutionary War, he talked about being spared because of the, the divine hand of providence. And to this interposition, let us gratefully ascribe the praise of victory and the blessing of peace. Okay. 
this is from whence we come from. This is the rock from whence we were hewn, all right? It is in us to have this kind of uh, fervor and fire to be a part of this revival and this restoration that is gonna be necessary to heal this land. Let's see the next slide, Tressie. And then of course, the great faith story. You don't hear these stories or quotes in school or universities. So mamas, if you don't know them, your children will never know them. But remember Benjamin Franklin during the Constitutional Convention in 1787 when the, the colonies were feuding he made a, a sobering call for prayer where he said, I have lived a long time and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of the truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And he still does today, my beautiful mamas. And he said, if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without him noticing it, it is improbable. It is probable that an empire can rise or can be saved without his aid. We have been assured in his sacred writings, he's talking about holy writ scriptures, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that builds it. It was so interesting in that conference or that uh, gala I went to last night, uh, Senator Langston from o Oklahoma spoke and he's a great faith man. And he said, I am here as a missionary on Capitol Hill. It is my mission field. And we need light in the dark because so many people would ask the Senator Langston from Oklahoma, why are you serving up there? It's a cesspool in Washington, DC. And how can, how can dark become light if light stays away from dark, messy cesspools? And so I loved his attitude. And this is our attitude that look, when, when we discount what's going on, you know, in Washington, D.C. or all the terrible things going on at our school systems or in our communities, we're speaking poorly of our mission field. If we look at ourselves as missionaries in this cause for God and for freedom, and we're praying to know how we can be a part of a solution, we can't be trying to tear down and be negative about the mission field. We need to take a positive uh, and optimistic attitude like our founders did. And and so Benjamin Franklin here begged that uh, uh, congregation, that delegation to pray. And guess what? It, his words had a sobering effect and that deadlock was broken and compromises were made and the constitution was drafted uh, shortly after his call for prayer a few weeks later. And so, you know, yes, our nation, its foundation is spiritual. Without spirituality, we are not any better than any other nations that have sunken into oblivion in the past. Our founding fathers were solemn and reverent in their expression of this, and they, they voiced their allegiance to the sovereignty of God, knowing it was to him they were accountable. So that senator that I was talking about, Senator Langston, Langston, he said, oftentimes people will say it's Washington, D.C. that will change our country. But he said, that is not true. What and he, look, he's on Capitol Hill all day, every day. He said, it's not Washington that will change our country. It's our country that will change Washington, DC. And what changes our country is the church. And so our founding fathers understood that. And what changes the church? What makes the church uh, you know, influential? It's people that are in relationship with God that are wanting to gather together with like-minded people and, and come together in church communities. And so, you know, when you're of that ilk, you are, you're in good hands and you're in good stead with what our founding fathers were intending because they knew God was central um, uh, to the success of this country. The churches are successful when the people are, in, uh, you know, in relationship with God. And so how do we prepare ourselves for God to intervene on our behalf in the days ahead? We get ourselves right and we get our families right. So... This is what um, Secretary Benson is saying here. Let's see that next slide. Number one is what he says in his talk. And, and we also know that religion morality was meant to be taught our founding fathers in addition to knowledge. And so this is why we have to remain in the church. We have to be in relationship with God and in his word. So we know what true morality according to God looks like. Let's see that next slide. And because, uh, let's see the next slide, Tressie. One of the principles of liberty says all things were created by God. Therefore, we are equally dependent and responsible to him. 
And so, you know, when you know who our creator was, then you know that there's a certain way that we have to live. If we love him, we have to do his will. We have to keep his commandments. We have to be up and defending, you know, his word and his kingdom. And so um, how do we do this? We, number one, uh, let's see the next slide. Secretary Benson says, we must both as individuals and as a nation look to God as our maker and source of our freedoms and our blessings. Um, one of the most grave times in our history, that civil war, uh, Abraham Lincoln petition, he called for fast during this time. And I really do believe Abraham Lincoln was probably called to be the man of the hour when there had never been a more perilous time in our nation during that civil war. But he understood the need for divine help and guidance. And he understood, I have this little quote, let's go to um, full screen, Tressy. You've seen me hold this up by Abraham Lincoln in my home, where he said, I have been driven many times, maybe you can't really see that, that's backwards. I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. And we might be feeling that with some of the situations in our home or with our marriage or with our children coming home with you know, uh, revelations that we don't know what to do. We have no place else to go but to our knees. And that is exactly where God wants us to go. That we don't go to the government or to the therapist or to the drugs. We go to our knees and we go to his holy word. Let's see the next slide. So one of the speakers at this gala last night at the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., was Mark Meadows. Does that name sound familiar? He was the fourth chief of staff under President Trump. And he had been out all day and he said, I am so sorry, I'm terribly underdressed. But he said, my wife said out of all the things that were on my appointment calendar today, I had to go to this dinner tonight. And he said, I want you to know that when I was driving here, I got word that um, a story about me had broken in the New York Times. And he said, have you ever been in the car where sweat begins to break out? This is what Mark Meadows here, the chief of staff for Trump is saying last night, where sweat begins to break out on your brow. He was uh, forced what had happened and he didn't tell us the details of what, what was going on in his life. He just said it was a very hard day for him, but there he was at that event where this alabaster house, these people that go and pray with our leaders of our nation. And he said that he, uh, actually, uh, so I Googled it. He had been ordered to testify before a federal grand jury and um, about Trump's dealings because he was the chief of staff at this time for Trump during um, the election period of 2020, the January 6th. He had to testify about you know documents that they say President Trump a classified documents that he held onto. And so I guess this will all be coming out and he has, uh, you know, been quiet up until this point, but, but he, uh, you know, was required to testify before this federal grand jury. So I'm sure he's feeling the fiery darts of, you know, how he has served this nation uh, and, and uh, being a part of President Trump at a real critical and difficult time in our nation's history. And he said, it was so amazing, he bore witness that regardless of everything that is going on in his life, he got on his knees and, and in, um, uh, at the gala, he, at the end, he, ta he talked about the power of prayer and he is a believing man. And then at, at the end of his remarks, um, some of the pastors that were at this gala, and, you, uh, and this isn't a picture of Mr. Meadows, but what Mr. Meadows did is they called him up and he, he, they wanted to pray, say a prayer uh, over him. And on his own, he dropped to his knees and they, it was really quite powerful. Um, they prayed that, that all these uh, things that are transpiring in his life right now, I mean, this was just happening in real time last night. So I'm just watching a man who knows that he goes to God when he needs deliverance and showing up and healing right before our eyes last night. And they prayed over him. And so this is what we have to do when, and we have to take our children to God. So women, you might wanna ask yourself, are you in the habit of praying morning and night? Do you drop to your knees as you slither out of bed each morning? Do you grab your children? I know it's summertime, your grandchildren, when you see them, when they leave your home, do you 
hold on to them and, and offer a prayer that they'll go out in safety and they'll be able to discern right from wrong and they'll be righteous ambassadors for Christ. I mean, however, whatever words God put on your mouth, we need to be praying more and not just morning and night, but throughout the day if we need to. Okay, let's see the next slide. And then Ezra Taft Benson reminds us that we need to make the creation of quality family life a high priority. And that's not easy in this day and age where the kids are coming and going. This is my little rugrat, my brood here, my rugrats. Well, my children are ages 28 to 15 right now. And so how do we make quality time a high priority? Well, that's why the devotional is so important. I mean, when when we talk about quality time, we're not just talking about more swimming or bowling or going to the beach or shopping. And those things are all good and they're bonding times. But what's quality, what's quality family time, grandmothers and mothers? Only you know that. I told you that's why I felt like the family devotional that I did with my kids for so many years still do felt like a sacred quality experience with them because we could arm them up. Let's see that next slide. And so Ezra Taft Benson says, families are the foundation block of any society. When the majority of families are strong and self-reliant, the nation prospers and dwells in safety. One of the primary goals is to support strong family life. The key to family stability is a happy marriage based on family worship. So this is my man. We've been married 30 years. Our marriage isn't perfect. I don't know any marriage that is perfect. I came from a home where my parents after 26 years divorced. So I have known, I, co I'm a, I come from a divorced home. And so I know the struggles of keeping a, a marriage strong. And sometimes, you know, another partner isn't equally committed and there a divorce occurs. But if you have a good man, you have to do everything in your power <laughs> to try and work through challenging times. One thing Al and I had done our whole marriage is we pray together every night, just he and I, even though we pray with our children before uh, we go to bed at night in a little family prayer circle, he and I, in the privacy of our bedroom, I, I get on my knees and sometimes he gets on his knees on the other side. Sometimes he comes around because he likes to squeeze me hard and we pray together. And that has been a, a powerful force in our life. And some, I'm not going to say every night we've done it. Maybe if there had been some crosswords, we didn't pray. But we always would get back to pray. Mostly we have prayed. And I dare say that is one of the things that has kept our marriage the way it is. It's been said, father is the boss, as everyone knows. <laughs> but uh, father is the boss, as, as everyone knows. But everyone knows whatsoever mother says goes. So children look to mother for guidance, teaching, but they look to father for acceptance. So when the unit is strong, the father is approving or disapproving and mother is guiding them. And it works together, that male and female uh, uh, energy in that home is you work together as equal partners. If for some reason your husband doesn't want to have anything to do with what you're learning right now, be patient with him, share with him, invite him to some events, and then pray over him and then just keep loving him. <laughs> you know, I think a pound of sugar or no, an ounce of sugar gets more than a, a, a pound of, uh, I'm not saying the quote right, um, bitter or, or whatever foot behind so what I'm saying is be patient with your man my husband when I first started to teach principles of liberty in our family devotional he thought I was a right wing nut he was like why why are you what are you doing Jolene but as I just kind of continued on his heart was softened he felt the spirit of these stories of America and he got on board and you've heard that transformation how he actually would go on to run for the state senate win and now he does some of the things he does because I didn't give up on him when he was giving me a hard time about making our devotional a little bit longer and so let's see that next slide Tressie so as you as you teach and, and you know maybe your kids are all out of the home so maybe you know you have adult children most of my kids are out of the home so you've heard me talk about this family devotional uh, that I do. Um, I send out probably five times 
a week, just a little devotional. This was the devotional on Monday. Send it out to all my married kids and a few of the cousins and uh, some of their, my kids' friends heard about the devotional. I actually send it to about 30 people now. But look, this was, it's, it's just basically a little quote, usually a, a quote from a founding father or something I've heard that's been inspirational. It was Denzel Washington this Monday, where Denzel says, uh, I saw a quote, I'd rather stand with God and be condemned by the world than stand with the world and be condemned by God. And then I uh, put a scripture there in God, have I put my trust, I will not be afraid when man what man can do unto me. And then I just write a little testimony of how I feel about that. And then I usually talk about a few things that everyone's doing, but this is what I said, my darlings, I know there was a reason I like Denzel besides dad looking like him. It will take courage and discipline in the last days to follow Jesus, to do as he did and to go where he went to the poor and downtrodden. Don't get distracted by the trappings of the world. I would rather be harshly judged my man, to stand with regret before the Savior someday. Keep your eye on the Lord and the word. And then I send a few little pictures of what mom and dad have done that last day. We went to a wedding and dad spoke at an event and so they can see. And oftentimes the kids will do things and I'll put pictures. So it keeps all those grown kids that are all over the country close and connected to each other and to their mother and father and just that little dose of truth and testimony as they're out in the world fighting the good fight. Let's see the next slide, Tressie. So these devotionals started for me when my kids were little. Look at uh, that picture. Uh, now that little babe is a big old professional athlete and the 28-year-old daughter. But what I would do when they were little is I would Four days a week when they're eating their little breakfast, I would take a little uh, picture of a Bible story and I would tell the little Bible story. Then I would tape it up on the wall at that little type table where they would eat. And then on Friday, I would have them tell me the stories. I would point to the pictures and that was the devotional. Then we'd sing a little song and we pray. And then let's see the next slide. Then as the kids got older, I began to weave in the stories of America, the principles of the constitution the whole means of, of success of these devotionals is just being consistent and it doesn't have to be perfect. It can be, if you only have three minutes, do three minutes. But the devotionals inevitably got a little longer as the kids got older because they could take a little bit more. And then let's see the next slide. And now when these adult kids come home, they know we open up scripture and we have a little time and dad typically leads the way. We encourage parents to teach these uh, spiritual principles that will instill God in faith, faith in family, faith in their uh, country. Fathers should take the lead in spiritual matters is what uh, uh, Ezra Tapp Benson address says. Sometimes I'm just going to testify to you. If you can get a dad who will take the lead and Al and I have taught together our children, but dad usually you know, moves the kids through the, the story. There's something powerful about a father, you know, on board. So we want our men and our grand, our grandpas to, to contribute. And so what, as you learn and study, then you look, you can share what you, you see my example as you talk to your husband now, or, <laughs> and Al and I are going to teach a class in the fall. And it's great to have your men see a man teaching along with his wife because it plants seeds in his heart, how he can be involved in teaching uh, the children. Let's see the next slide, uh, Tressie. Let's see what that next slide is. And so guess what happens? Just, this is like by coincidence, uh, on Monday, or maybe it was Sunday night, my two sons who are great big boys now, Frank is 25, he's uh, in the NBA, uh, Alvin is 20, they both they didn't even know that each other did this. They both sent pictures to me of going to church. So I'm telling you that as you teach your children to love God and you take them to the word and you take them to church, they will just naturally want to do things when you're not there. And I think they know it makes me happy to know that they're in the house of God on Sunday. And, and so they just on their own. This is, this is some of the fruits of uh, making family time high priority and making it a quality time. Okay, let's see the next slide. The next point is uh, to become informed and knowledgeable citizens. And that's what you are all doing. I just can't applaud you enough. 
you are learning about the principles of America. You're learning about what has gone wrong and the faith stories of America. In the Bible, the prophet Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You are not going to let that happen on your watch. And this is why you're here. And we need more mothers and fathers learning these things and, and learning these uh, principles that were laid down and becoming in the Constitution and becoming an informed citizenry and teaching them to your children these spiritual roots of a nation. Let's see the next slide. And so, uh, you know, Moms for America not only has this Healing of America curriculum, but they have this 5,000 year leap curriculum. It's a 12 week class. We'll teach it in the fall. Those 28 principles that will help you speak with greater authority because you're speaking on principle, not emotion. I speak these principles almost every day, all throughout class. Uh, I'll interject principles from the 5,000 year leap. This book is the same 5,000 year leap. It just has two different covers. So don't get let, let, let that cover confuse you. And this beautiful cottage meeting resource guide, this, these classes that we teach on Thursday evenings that have all kinds of stories and quotes that help you to learn these stories and, and to become informed and knowledgeable citizens. And so Moms for America has curriculum. There are so many beautiful books and curriculums out there, Hillsdale, uh, the Patriot Academy. Uh, look, I'm not just saying only use ours. Learn as much as you can. When you go through these curriculums, try other curriculums, try other books, and then come back and repeat. It's like reading the Bible. You got to keep repeating some of this stuff. And then as you, as you become informed and knowledgeable, as you put forth the work as you are now, we're going on our wet 12th class together. Um, you've proven you're willing to put in the work then God, let's see the next slide, Tressie, will put on your heart to do something, to become involved in supporting good and wise and honest people that are running for office to maybe go to a school board meeting or a city hall meeting, supporting good candidates, getting involved in your community. I always call number four, do something. Mostly do something with yourself. Start to study the word more. Start to be more intentional about the way you pray, start to be more intentional about the way you teach your children through family devotional, just do something. God will put on your heart what you should do. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. This is why we learn. When we learn, we that's have to become doers of the word, right? Let's see the next slide. You know, I saw this with my little mama. She was a doer. We were so humble. We were humble, meaning poor. We were on food stamps when my father left our home. I was 14 years old, but she was a godly woman and she took us to God every day. She had a little devotional with us where we would pray and we would read out a scripture and we would sing a little gospel song she would take me I knew that she loved Jesus because right in that kitchen of ours there's a little old clock and she would have a picture of Jesus on one hand and a picture of Ronald Reagan country on the other I knew that she loved freedom and our country and God and she would take me to go vote I, I started voting when I was like 10 years old and she would read the newspaper every day maybe that's where I get my you know longing for a newspaper in the home, even though that seems old fashioned nowadays. And she would love to talk about current events. And we went to town hall meetings. And so in her little way, she planted the seeds within me to do what I am doing today. So mothers, you might think some of these things that you're doing with your children and your grandchildren, you know, you might not even see the fruits of them until you are gone and they are rising up. But I saw the fruits of this little humble mother and how it has taken root in me. And then I know some of the things that my children are doing. And so whatever stage you are at, the God will put it in your heart to do something and then have faith that that someday will produce you know, something more magnificent than you could even imagine. Okay, let's see the next slide. So we know, so that kind of concludes his uh, talk in, in the lesson today, but there's a section, the last section that talks about how the family is the foundation of the nation. We know this. This is one of the principles upon which our nation was founded. Our founding fathers knew this. The core unit which determines the strength of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect its integrity. One of the greatest keys, therefore, the mamas to healing this land lies in 
healing our families, the strength of the family. If family is important to mother and father, you better believe it's going to be important to the extended family, to those children. All right. And so um, let's turn to that next slide. The principles that are in the Constitution and the Declaration really are principles of relationship that pertains to every aspect of our life. Life, liberty, and the, the freedom, the right to own our property, the right to worship our God, the right to serve other people, to care for our poor and needy. In the Constitution, we know one of these things handled at the local level, as did Moses, because that's how we know how to best handle the problems. Same with the family. The best way to handle our problems within our family is to, to, to confer with each other, our spouses, our children, and then to take it to God. Instead of, you know, the government telling us how we should take care of, you know, the poor in our community or, you know, how to do things, we need to be locally be able to figure out the best solution and the, the best solutions locally are found within the four walls of our home. I love this little picture. It talks about how do we make strong families? Well, patriotic families are strong families. Patriotic families that I know are godly families and they're grateful. They're aware of the sacrifices that others have made in the past. They want to uphold those sacrifices. They want to be beacons of light. They want to join the military. They want to recognize the service of those that serve. They are patriotic families. This is uh, a wonderful mama, Debbie from Ohio, her grandchildren, she sent it to me on uh, Memorial Day. I think grandma must have pulled into the driveway and they're shouting, Grandma Debbie is here, hallelujah. This picture on the other end, I just decorated my home for the 4th of July. And this is my two girls. They, uh, uh, on uh, the other night, they took the dogs for a walk. And so I took a little picture and my girls, they came in the house, my oldest girl, 28. She's like, oh, mom, I love the house. It's all decorated. And my little 15 year old, they, they like it when I do a seasonal change. And then, you know, I done it upright when the husband, my husband said uh, on the outside of the house when he pulled in and saw the house decorated just on the outside, he said, Julini, don't you think this is a little much? Because there's a lot of flags in the front yard. And to me, that's the highest compliment when my husband says, don't you think this is a little much? <laughs> and so my girls liked it and that's all I needed. So decorate, let people know that you love America, particularly let your children know and, and, um, and they will they will someday be about honoring the flag and displaying it. Let's uh, see the next slide. So in the last uh, uh, page of our lesson, it talks about how do we how do we shore up and make our home a patriotic place where God can reside and uh, reside and love a family and country can reside. Well, we take our kids to patriotic events. These are just some of the events in the last few years. This was at the Washington Memorial. This was last year at the Memorial, uh, Memorial Day Parade. Let's see the next slide. And then I've gotten my kids involved in what I do. They got to come. So they've gone to so many Moms for America patriotic events. This was Daddy last year speaking on the 4th of July at a patriotic event. I mean, you, you take your children with you to these events here. And then let's see the next slide. Have your children, it talks about, participate in Boy Scout and Girl Scouts. Now, maybe a decade ago, that was, uh, a, you know, wise words, but I can't, I can't recommend the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts anymore because they are woke. But what I do recommend if we don't do Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts anymore is make sure your children are involved with um, church groups or church youth groups or youth groups that have their same values. Typically you'll find them at church because it helps shore them up because they don't find these groups in the school systems anymore. So just two weeks ago, my little 15 year old went on a, um, a, a church retreat up in New York and she and about 150 uh, of her friends in the church community in the Washington DC area went ages I think they had to be 14 to 18 and even my oldest daughter and her husband volunteered to be the camp counselors and chaperones and um, my little girl came back and she she loved the spiritual aspect of it but what she really loved the most 
was just getting to spend time with um, some of the young people in our church congregation, because most of these kids all go to different schools in Washington, D.C., to private schools. And she said she just loved being with, you know, her friends and, and even the, the, the boys who are littler than she, but knowing that they believe and feel the same way. And that was just reassuring to sinking her little um, identity as a daughter of God and, and believing in his godly laws. And so you want your children, your grandchildren to be able to associate with youth groups. That's important, more so than even soccer teams or all the extracurricular activities we get our kids. It is these kind of groups that will steady them and, and lay that foundation at kind of a tenuous time in their life during those teen years. Okay, let's see the next slide. They recommend um, writing letters to servicemen or thanking veterans. Let your children see you stop a man in the airport who's dressed in uniform and thanking him for his service. Kimberly Fletcher, who's the president of Moms for America, uh, told me that they had a tradition in their home. She has eight children that the day before Thanksgiving, they make 75 pies and they go to all the police stations in her community and deliver pies. And I thought, I just never forget her, forgot her telling me that. And so what a beautiful way to help instill a respect and appreciation for these men and women that are on the front lines, our police officers, our military men. And then, um, and also encourage encourage your children to serve in the military. Right now, we're, we're contemplating one of our boys going into the Naval Academy. He still has a year of church service, but um, I, I am impressed he's even wanting to think about that. So let's uh, see the next slide. And then learn these patriotic songs and sing them together. Uh, gosh, before you pray, you, you know, you've heard me say in my family devotional, because my mom would always have us sing a gospel song. I just, we just sing in our home every day. And so because it's June and July, we sing a patriotic. So here's, there's, there's two hymn books I have on the island, because when I do family devotional now, I just have one child left at home. So she gets her little book, I get mine, but there's this cute little, um, songbook that I've used, you can just Google and download free printable patriotic songs and get in the habit of singing, you know, my country tis the or your grand old flag or, you know, the battle hymn republic, whatever, because there's a spirit about singing these songs. No one sings them anymore. They don't sing them in the school systems. And so sing them at home. And then uh, lastly, let's see the next few slides. Um, decorate. What a fun thing. So here's some of my little decorations. I mean, there's not one corner of the house that doesn't have a flag or a, you know, a star or a, some kind of red, white, and blue decor. Let's see the next slide. It's kind of fun. I just, and you don't have to go all out every space, but just a little something to let the children know, hey, we're heading into a patriotic time of our nation. Let's, let's, you know, enjoy the beauty and spirit of it with a few. There's my George Washington. We've got our or Thomas Jefferson right there, our wonderful bust. Let's see the next slide. And then pull out your patriotic books. Start to build the I Love America library. This is just really a, a few of my books. I put them out the other day. There's a little basket. I have a, a, a lot of patriotic books and I'll rotate them over the next three months, but put them out someplace so you can, it's easy to read with your children or your grandchildren when they come over. Okay, the next slide. So mamas, as you get to know the history of America and get to know, um, you know, the true stories of our founding fathers and the prophecies of America, you will compel, you'll want to do all these ideas and, and, and not all of them, but some of these ideas or God will put on your heart. Uh, lastly, they recommend getting to know your ancestors, um, discover who they were. Did you have any ancestors on the Mayflower, the Revolutionary War who fought? Why did your ancestors come to America? So this is a little picture. Uh, I think a couple summers ago, my daughter works for a, one of the largest genealogical um, uh, companies in, in the world. And she travels back and forth to Africa. She oversees 56 countries in Africa, helping people um, to learn their stories, their oral stories, because when people understand who they are, it helps them to 
be that link for the future to carry on to stand on the shoulders of you know your uh, ancestors that have done great things and inspires you to want to do great things and so we were down in the country and she was helping us do our family history online and, and in the book it gives you some websites of how you can you know find your family history and find some of the stories if you if you need any help text me and I'll put you in touch with my daughter but you know also keep a journal. My mama kept a journal. She died at 59, but she kept a journal for over half of her life. And so when she died, I was 24 years old. And so I have read those journals. I have like, oh gosh, like boxes of her journals. And it's like her little voice is being risen from the dust and speaking to me. And as I read her journals at, at times and ages that she was, that I have been I have felt her spirit guiding me and reminding me because in her journals, she not only talks about, you know, us children and what we're doing, but she talks about her faith in God and her testimony and her love for this country. And it helps me to understand more deeply who I am as her daughter. And so writing your journals, you I'm, I'm sure she never imagined that all those years she wrote in her journal, that it would be the means of going up her daughter someday when she wouldn't be there and I know my I have I uh, transcribed all her journals and so my girls have access to her journals and they will read her journals and their girls will read and, and grandsons as well read, will read the journals so my dear beautiful mamas and grandmothers that is our lesson today I want you to know let's see the next slide trustee I think it's our that beautiful cottage meeting that can help us to know, give us these some of these ideas to, to heal ourselves and our family. Let's see the next slide, Tressie. When I was speaking, oh, let's see the next slide. I thought there was one more slide there. Okay, yeah. When I was speaking uh, yesterday to these men, they were primarily men, like 15 men and a few women. And I was telling them about you. I wanted you to know, I told them about these women you that get online each week and you learn these principles and then you go home and you teach your children and then you come back and I want you to know so many of you will send me little texts throughout the weeks telling me about some of the changes that you are making or some of the things you're doing in your home and these men were I honestly they were kind of just spellbound I should have been spellbound by them because some of them were kind of important dudes but they all know as they thought back to the impact that the mother has had on them and maybe some of the reason why they're doing what they are doing. They knew that it is truly the mothers that as the mothers learn and teach, they become the messenger to that child of freedom and hope and healing. You know, I think really what we talked about today, women, of shoring up ourselves and shoring up our families and healing from within the four walls of our home is probably the most important aspect of this seminar number four and maybe the whole Healing of America seminar because it is what we can directly control. You are the heart and the hope of your home and it is your righteous example and influence that can will be integral to healing uh, uh, your rising generations. It's been said, and I've heard it's been said, that a, a, a faithful woman's influence at the end times before God comes will be tenfold what it has been in the past. As the world gets increasingly wicked, your influence will become magnified tenfold. God will magnify that. I love, um, Trusty, if we could go back to that picture of uh, Tim Scott. He's a senator from South Carolina. And maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but I love the example of his humble mama. Uh, and we know Tim Scott is running for president now. I know a young girl, she's in her 20s, who actually is um, working, if we could go back to that slide, Tressie, is working for him on the Hill. And I said, is he the, is he the real deal? Why? Because he's not married. And so I, I said, what, what's up with Senator Scott? And she said, Julene, he is the real deal. She said, I have never met a finer man. And so he tells the story. I guess we can't get that slide, Tressie. That's okay. Um, that when he was young, his parents divorced. So mama took 
he and his brother back to live with grandma and grandpa. And he was very churned up and angry at this time as a young boy. But every night, and he had to share a bedroom with his mother and this, uh, the brother. But every night he would see his mother kneel. This is how he explained it when he told the story on national TV two years ago. He would see his mother kneel and pray to God. And she said, he said, her example converted me to Christianity. And that changed my life, he said. And he said, our family went in one generation. I don't know if that meant mama worked in the cotton fields, but he said in one generation, through my mother's example, my family went from the cotton fields to the halls of Congress. So whatever um, you might be compelled to do mothers to make some changes within you, don't, don't doubt or think it's not really gonna make an impact on your home and your children, I'm sure. Uh, little Mama Scott didn't realize her example of a, a faithful, righteous woman and how that would impact and change the life of her son, who was a good, godly man, who was seeking to bring light to a dark place in Washington, D.C. It will be your influence, mothers. And I dare say, women will be drawn to you as you begin to learn and to talk about the things that you're doing in your home and the things that you're learning and women will be drawn to your light and to your example and to the knowledge that you're beginning to gain as you study these things. And you will begin to be a light to people in your sphere of influence and your home will even be a refuge when you have people in your home. You will have pictures of George Washington praying and you'll have flags and it will get the constitution and it will get the attention of people. And they will feel that your home is a place of grounding and of anchoring and all that enter it can feel that and you will be a stabilizing force for your children who live there or your adult children or grandchildren who come back to visit or anyone that might flow through your home and this is how you will begin to heal this nation by healing the the confines of your beautiful homes that you all dwell in so with that i'm going to conclude our lesson Music